Welcome to the Grounded Catholic podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I am Father Joseph Anthony Kress, and Corinne and I are back after taking a little bit of time off uh, for the winter break, and we have begun the spring semester of 2021, and we're diving in headfirst, and we're back recording and back with another episode. On today's episode, we are talking about the Sacrament of Confession. Uh, we dive in a little bit about what the sacrament is and how best to prepare for uh, a good confession, and then some aspects of it that are from the priest's perspective, unique things uh, that I get to talk about that I see on a regular basis and the beauty of the sacrament. So hope this episode gives you a better understanding of the sacrament, but also prepares you to receive the mercy and the graces of God that are unique to the sacrament of confession. So enjoy. Um, but we've we've been away for all of winter break. We've taken a break from the podcast. And yeah, we kind of needed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're in front of a screen while we're doing this. Like we're doing this in person, six feet away, six with masks feet on, because we're respecting everything. Yep, and uh, I don't know. It was it was kind of good to like have a little bit of a break and mm-hmm. um, kind of start think about, start to think about other topics and okay, you're just making faces now. <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, and it was a longer winter break than what we were used to as well. Yeah. So it was good to just kind of know that we had basically two months November uh, from the end of November until the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was going to be, yeah, no planning, no, no nothing. It was just time off. Yeah, it was good um, to just soak in. I don't know, like sometimes when we do the podcast, I'm constantly thinking like, what, what is something that I could share? And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was good to just like experience prayer, experience the mm-hmm. Lord, experience like... Christmas. Christmas. Big fan. Yeah, Christmas. So, yeah, but we're back and we're back for another semester and gearing Mm -hmm. up. And uh, one of the things that I don't know, it's we had we've had some conversations um, at different points over the break. And when we started looking of doing more or getting back to recording the podcast this semester, this was a topic that you and you were very quick on the trigger and wanted to uh, talk about right out of the gate. Well, this was actually a topic. I think maybe Dominic suggested it. I think so. I don't know. Um, Because we, this is, I mean, (laughs) we just have such a funny dynamic. Like you're my boss. You're also preparing me for marriage. Like you're friends with my fiance. Like it, I don't know. There's just like a lot of really funny things. So oftentimes it's hard to even say like, oh yeah, we talked about this for a, for a talk for it's a ministry like, thing yeah like, no this was like a post-marriage prep like just fun conversation mm-hmm. um so we just started getting into like confession and the beauty of that and father dominic and i were talking there are times where i think you love to be a little bit irreverent and to scandalize and kind of like break down certain barriers and kind of say the thing that maybe nobody else wants to say but mm-hmm. everybody's maybe not even thinking, but like knows that maybe somebody is thinking it somewhere. Um, And, and like those things are hilarious and we love that about you. 
but <laughs> where's this going right now? We're like, where, where but, are we going with this? Well, the thing that that struck both of us that we noted is after that conversation, like, oh my gosh, Father comes alive when he talks about the sacraments mm-hmm. and especially confession. Like, I mean, it was so moving. I think I, I don't know if you know, but like I teared up when you started talking about some of these things that you just like, father, your deep love. Like there are times when you write homilies and I'm like, okay, you, you're like trying to be like super epic and like throw in these grand analogies and sound super poetic and intense. But then there are times where like, it's, it's clear that you have not put any prep into this, but it is purely coming from the heart. And when you talk about the sacraments, that is what radiates. And it is so moving to see. And so we were like, holy cow, somebody needs to put this man behind a microphone and get him to talk about this. So the rest of the people can hear this. So that's something like it was definitely as soon as we left, we're like, father has to do a podcast Mm -hmm. on confession. You've set a very high bar for me. And I hope like don't screw it yeah, up I'm, I'm really terrified now that i'm going to screw this up and you're like everybody's gonna cry this is gonna be amazing because <laughs> you've just come alive and i'm like this is i don't know what i'm gonna say next. Know, yeah. <laughs> uh, no but you're right i do love uh talking about the sacraments and because they're the heart of my own personal life and my my relationship with the lord and the uniqueness of what the lord has called me to do as, as a man, as an individual, is to facilitate his encounter, his love, his mercy with the rest of the world via the sacraments. That's yeah. all I have. That's, that's my only job. That's my only responsibility uh, is to help others encounter Christ in the sacraments mm-hmm. because, you know, that's, he hasn't given that to everybody. No, and like, that's, that's something where when we've talked about this semester and what is needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, you know, we could do a million things and I could want to do a million things, but there are things that only you can do that nobody else in the ministry, the missionaries, the students, myself, none of us are capable of, of bringing the Eucharist to people like Mm -hmm. being Christ to them, like in the person of Christ, forgiving sins. I mean, it's It's amazing. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Amazing. And so it's beautiful to hear the reverence that you pay to this role that God has called you to. Because it's so rare. Because it is so <laughs> rare. I think that's also the thing. You love being irreverent. So when you are in the, reverent. In the, in the best of ways. Let's say. Like, okay. So getting into what you wanted to talk about. Today. Yeah. So I'm, if, if you don't mind, I would love to moderate this and just like give you a ton of questions. Yes. Hit me. And so I think. The first thing before we kind of go into some of the in-depth stuff to just hear what is a sacrament of confession? I mean, yep. you when you talk about it, you use so many different words and and phrases and things that to an average person are just going to like go right. They go over my head sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. So can we just go into like what makes up the sacrament? Yeah. Um, what makes it unique? What is going on in mm-hmm. the sacrament? Yeah, so I mean, the sacrament at, at the at its absolute core is the sacrament of mercy. This is where um, we receive God's mercy. This is where we encounter His mercy, and um, it's it's something that just uh, is the kind of the most privileged and intimate place because this is 
the heart of God himself from all eternity for his children, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the sacrament of confession, I think a lot of times we think of it in judicial terms, right? Can, can we start briefly to just, I, I'm just going to throw out the definition of a sacrament because okay, this please. is not the only place where we encounter God's mercy. It's the primary though. It is. It is. Yeah. So, um, the definition of a sacrament is an outward, so like a physical sign that is instituted by Christ mm -hmm. to give grace. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd want to add? No. Great. That's, that's the postcard definition Great. on point. So there, there are like so many other means to receiving grace, um, but these are like the big ways that Christ showed us. So these mm -hmm. are... Like all, all of them have ties to scripture, mm -hmm. um, have, you know, have been continued to be brought about through the tradition of the church. Um, these aren't things that the Catholic church has made up. These are things that God has established that Christ has confirmed. Yes. Um, and these are the major ways that we receive grace. And the grace that we receive is sanctifying grace. Mm -hmm. Like that's the important thing, right? Because we have... Maybe we can do a whole episode on different types of grace. There's actual grace and, and all these other things. But the grace that's communicated is sacramental grace. It is sanctifying grace. Which okay? is just what it says. Yeah. It is what makes us holy. It makes us holy and holy via union with God. Yes. So, um, it's, it's important to understand that. Now, there are specific sacramental graces that are specific to each sacrament, right? Sure. But what all the sacraments convey is sanctifying grace. Um, in this. So when we um, encounter the mercy of God, uh, primarily in the sacrament of confession, there is this, like you said, it's this outward sign, this efficacious sign. So the, the physicality of it uh, communicates the, the, the kind of invisible grace. An, an outward sign, sign of an invisible reality. Exactly. So like those are the elements that are at play here. And um, we have to admit that God can, and, and this is like the exciting thing that Aquinas always talks about when he's writing um, w with many different aspects of the faith, but specifically in the, um, in the sacramental life, that it is most fitting for us as human beings. Like God could have chosen to communicate his sanctifying grace to us in any way possible. Mm. And, and this is going back primarily to the incarnation because sacraments are rooted in the incarnation itself of that. So he's always saying that, like, yes, God could have chosen to do this in any way. And he still contains the power to, but it is most fitting. And he has communicated it to us as a guarantee for our benefit, right? Um, to encounter his mercy, to be sanctified through these sacramental um, channels and conduits. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I love to think about it is the sacraments are conduits of grace, and they continually to pour grace into our lives in that way, and it keeps us united to God and to each other. So what is that outward visible sign of confession? Yeah, so this is where we can start to break down uh, the sacrament itself. Um, God communicates us with us as his children in ways that we are able to receive that, mm -hmm. which means he communicates with us in human ways. Um, he does not communicate with us in the angelic modes of communication. And, you know, if we go back to even ancient Greek philosophy, we hear about how we gain knowledge through our senses, right? Yes. Um, so we as human beings are physical, we're corporeal, and we have physical senses, and how we know 
comes through our physical senses. How we know things, ideas, um, is through our physical senses. Yes. Okay? So that means how do we know God? Well, he communicates with us as humans is through our physical senses. And through thus, Jesus. Right. And how Jesus instituted, instituted the sacraments to be a physical form of communicating his grace, his life, of coming to know him, which makes sense, right? Because we have to have this kind of physicality to come into contact and to know him. And so when we look at the sacrament of confession, there is a physicality that's happening there. And the physicality is this kind of um, back and forth in presentation of um, sins between the penitent and the priest. And so we can talk then about the ancient sacramental form or the ancient sacramental structure of matter and form. So, so just to clarify, so you're saying that it's the outward like vocalization of the sins, which makes up the physical element. So it's not like there's a physical thing, you know, like baptism, it's water being poured, you know, like, um, but it's going to be more the words that Mm -hmm. are outwardly expressed. Yes. Yes. And cool. so that's, that's when we talk about there's always matter and form okay. involved in every sacrament. And the matter is the physicality of it, uh, and the form is, is uh, connected to that. And so okay. when we look at the sacrament of confession, this is one of the really fun sacraments, uh, I think, if you want to call <laughs> it I don't it know that. how many people would say that, but it's I great do. to hear you say I that. Do. Because it is a sacrament that is con-celebrated between the priest and the penitent. So the sacrament is not just the priest doing stuff, right? but it involves... It necessitates the penitent doing things, Because it's not the priest that's going to be like, you hand him a slip of paper and he yeah. reads out your sins. No, no it has to be a, a both hand. And the reason why I say that is, what is it that the penitent supplies for the sacrament? The penitent supplies the matter, okay? And okay. we can talk about two aspects of matter for the sacrament, we have remote matter and proximate matter. So remote okay. matter for the sacrament are, the, are our sins, those transgressions against God, the uh, acts of disobedience against the love of God, love of neighbor, right? Sure, because those are not happening in, in that the confession. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, They're remote from the sacrament, Sure, but it's necessary. Like, you have to have sins, okay? So, like... If to so, to receive the sacrament of right. confession. Yes. Sure. I mean, we're all we're all sinners, so we have those. Sure. Sometimes you know you get somebody who's like, yeah, I, I I don't have anything. I just you know, if you don't have sins to bring into the sacrament, I can't absolve you because yeah, right. I have nothing to absolve as the priest. Right. Okay. But the penitent then brings remote matter, the sins, and then couples it with what we call the proximate matter, which is sorrow. Okay. So if you bring in sins to the confessional and I say, are you sorry? And you say, no, I can't forgive your sins. Right. Now, I would love, because there was something when Dominic and I were having this conversation with you, you were talking about how sorrow for sins can, like that is in itself a lot more broad than Mm -hmm. maybe it sounds. Like it doesn't mean that we need to be on our knees crying, but Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said a sort of contrition, imperfect contrition, yep. can be, I I hope I'm not getting that, correct me, oh, I want to want to be sorry. Yeah. Yep. So it's not that like, 
I, you know, it's kind of like, I might've really enjoyed that sin. I might not be mm-hmm. like, you know, but I recognize that there is something wrong about it and I want to want to not do it. Right. Yeah, we're, we're we're looking for some form of sorrow that's connected to that. And you but have, it doesn't you have, have your, to be rooted in an emotion of absolutely, sorrow. Absolutely. Um, and we have that perfect contrition, which is the ancient kind of title for that, like, absolute sorrow for our sins because they offend God, right? Vast majority of time, we're not at that stage. Right. You know, and because we... Uh, we have this like imperfect contrition. We're sorry for it because we're afraid bad things are going to happen. Yeah. I.e. hell. Yeah. We don't want to go to hell. And so I'm sorry for, you know, doing those things. And that's kind of imperfect what we call attrition. And sometimes we can even struggle and say like, you know, I, I still like, like you were saying, I enjoyed that thing. And I know I should be sorry for that. And I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I'm, I want, I want, to be sorry for this. That's not where I am right now. But sometimes even those expressions reveal that there is sorrow in our heart that that God can work with the smallest of seeds, right? Right. He can work with the the few loaves and fish. Like he, as long as there's some expression of sorrow that's connected to that. It may not be perfect. It may not be total, but it's, it's, it's sorrow in that sense. So uh, quick question though. What if somebody goes into the confessional almost like knowing like, okay, this was a bad thing, but I enjoyed it. I want to want to be sorry, but like, I really have no intention of stopping. Mm -hmm. Where does that fall? Like going in and being like, I'll confess this. Like, I want to get this off my chest. I don't like, you know, knowing that like the church says no to this, but I've already done it. But like, you know, confession is kind of like, okay, wipe the slate clean so that I can go out and keep engaging in yeah. whatever it is. I mean, we, we look for some kind of amendment of life, you know, and struggle. And we know that there, there are some people that are um, struggling with habitual sins or struggling with addictions and, and things like that. And we'll get to some of that stuff later. But um, we know that there are persistent sins in all of our lives. And I, I joke around and I say like, hey, listen, each of us has probably about three or four sins that are going to plague us for the majority of our life, mm. you know, and that it, it's not going to shock us, you know, when we succumb to that sin again. Mm-hmm. But I, de- I, I desire to not do that. Mm-hmm. I desire to be better. And there's some form of amendment of trying to change your life. Not that it's going to be a light switch on and off, you know, but it's this moment of trying to, to uh, grow in virtue, grow closer to Jesus. And there's some expression of, I'll try. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is where it gets so tricky because, yeah, there's sometimes you go in and it's like, okay, I've confessed this literally every time. Yeah. Like. Keep confessing. Keep it. it keep well, it going. Yeah. But then sometimes it's kind of like, well, I know I'm going to keep doing it. Like. Yeah. And, but. And so that's that's tricky. That feels messy. Like, am I going in like almost, you know, like I'm intending to do it. It's like I know I'm going to. Well, it, it it's like how much of this is presumption? And how much of this is actual sorrow and those types sure. of things. It's like we do understand our weaknesses yeah. as human beings. And we, we just we have to be content with letting God um, enter into all of those areas of our life sure. and, and being able to struggle, but struggle well. And that's okay. Right. Now, can you speak into, so, you know, we've walked through 
the matter, mm-hmm. which is the sins, yep. um, and like the outward words being expressed, and the sorrow. That's, and the sorrow. That's the heart of it. Is the sorrow. Yes, okay. which doesn't even need to be emotion or nope. like, yeah. Um, let's talk about the form mm-hmm. then. The form is then what the priest supplies. So the penitent supplies the matter, both proximate and remote, and the priest supplies the form then, which is the absolution. And so when we have those three elements, we have matter, approximate, and remote, so sins and sorrow, and then the priest supplies the absolution, the forgiveness. And speaking in the person of Christ, right, um, and through his ordination of the priesthood, uh, that is a gift that is given to him that he can speak on behalf of Christ. And when we, I I mentioned this a little earlier about the kind of uh, judicial, kind of legal understanding of uh, of the sacrament. There is an aspect of that, though. I think it kind of gets a little overemphasized. But the priest is the one who acts as judge, right? The Lord has given him um, the authority to do that. Whatever you bind Bind on on earth. Is bound, bound in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah, Whatever yeah. you loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Yes. Right. But Christ sits on the throne as the judge of eternity in eternity. You know? And so by the participation of his eternal priesthood, he the priest can actually render judgment. And where that takes place is in the confessional. So it's really beautiful because the the penitent comes in, uh, confesses to the crimes that have been done, the transgressions. And says, I am guilty. I'm sorry. And the, the priest then renders the judgment, which is forgiveness. It's absolution. Mm, like, that's, that's what's happening beautiful. there. Like, it is the courtroom in that sense. So the, the priest, you know, participating and sitting on the eternal throne with the Lord Jesus, hears the crimes, hears the transgressions, hears the guilty verdict. And then renders the punishment, renders the um, the yeah, renders the the um, answer, and it's forgiveness, it's mercy. mercy. And in that in that kind of dialogue, that's the form and matter. That's what's happening there. And so when the priest does speak, "I absolve you," right? It's the voice of the eternal judge saying, "Yes, I've heard it all. I see it. The uh, arguments have been made." The defendant stands before me, and you are free. Wow. That's incredible. That's, I heard a definition of mercy from one of my grad school classes last semester. Is mercy is love that keeps on loving yeah. when faced with unlove. Mm-hmm. And like thinking about every time we sin, it's a moment of saying, Lord, I love something more than you. Mm-hmm. So being met with like the love that god should receive from us like there's now a deficit yeah and like and yet he keeps supplying constantly constantly it's it's something really beautiful and um i think a lot of times people think about the confessional and what happens in getting back to how the priest operates in the confessional and what he does there he hears everything he takes that into account and then uh renders absolution and freedom, then he gives the penance, right? Um, and the penance is just supposed to be this expression of um, some form of act of justice rendered, even though we understand that the transgressions are of infinite 
value. And there's nothing we can do as finite to uh, correct that. But the forgiveness, the freedom, is rendered with the absolution. Okay, And then the penance is to be completed as expressions of penance and as an expression of rendering justice again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've talked to a lot of students and a lot of people are like, oh, I you know, forgot my penance or I didn't get a chance to fulfill my penance. Are my sins forgiven? They're forgiven at absolution. Right. Okay. The penance is a kind of way to what we call um, deepen the devotion of the sacrament. And it almost puts into contrast like how incredible the sacrament is. Boom. Yep. Because it's like, wait, I only have three Hail Marys? Like, are you serious? Like, Mm -hmm. that's it? And it's like, well, yeah, of course I'll do that. Or, you know. Yeah. I love the priest that'll give you something a little more hefty. I had a priest in college who was like, what do you think your penance should be? That's terrifying. (laughs) It's like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I did that once with a with a priest. And I was like, "Can I have a stronger penance?" Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, "Yeah, can I have a different penance? I'd actually, you know, like something a little stronger, a little more uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh demanding." And he gave me actually a lighter penance. <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, no, you understand. I wanted to go the other way." And yeah. he's like, "Yeah, I want to take up what you're not doing." And you're going to get a lighter one, and that means I'm doing more for you. Oh my and I was gosh! Like, <sighs> wow, <sighs> I would be wrecked. Yeah, I was like, I'm never asking for a different penance ever. <laughs> Dang. Well, I think that hits on something. Like, is is that kind of an expectation on the priest that he is also yeah. making amends mm-hmm. on behalf of the penitent? Yeah. I mean, good confessors are going to be the ones who are uh, constantly praying for their penitents. The ones bringing them in front of the Lord in adoration and into the chapel, incorporating them into their own prayer life, whether that's the divine office that we pray on a regular basis. And then, you know, a, a priest who lives a penitential life, mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an aspect of our priesthood that we have to live. And most times we are living it on behalf of those that we've forgiven. Wow. And so, like, that's why, um, the, you know, the scandals of the priesthood from, you know, the extravagance and the, the richness of those things that can be so um, jarring and scandalous because these are men that are supposed to be, you know, living this penitential life and connected to that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there, there should be uh, some aspect of living a penitential life on behalf of those that are entrusted to your care, primarily wow. those that you, um, you meet in the confessional. What a beautiful gift the priesthood is to us. Yo, it's we are not so deserving. Good. <laughs> Neither am I. But oh I love my gosh. it. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else that you would want to say about um, just the sacrament of confession before we dive into how best no. to make a good confession? Yeah, let's let's dive into that second. Okay. Thing. Well, I mean, this is something that uh, we can give tips. I think this is something that we could spend a lot of podcasts talking about uh-huh. the nuance of. Mm-hmm. what constitutes a sin, what doesn't. Yep. And um, I think w- one of the best things, this was something we both agreed on, um, is the importance of making a good examination and one that is not just taking place like the 30 seconds before you walk into the confessional, but one that is happening every day. Yes. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, 
I think we have to talk about the frequency of the sacrament too. Okay. Um, and this is connected to that idea of making a daily examination of your conscience at the end of the day, right? And and how to how to properly do that. The the best advice I can go through is do this every day before you go to sleep, you know, and look at your relationships. You know, my relationship with God. How how did I grow in that? How did I sustain that? How did I fail that? And where did I reject? You know, my relationship with others. You know, how have I grown? How have I failed? How have I sustained those things and whatnot? Uh, the relationship with myself. Sure. You know, what, have I been damaging to myself? Or did I take care of myself? Did I neglect myself? Like, so the, the kind of relationship um, structured examination, I think, is probably the, the best way to begin. Okay. But the importance of doing a daily examination, because that starts to peel back the layers, like like uh, ogres, right? They peel the layers oh back. Uh, and when we, when we see that, we start to see the, the trends. If we're mm-hmm. looking every day at our life, like, oh my gosh, I really do have a problem with my speech. You know, I, 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 have, a, I, have, a, I have a problem with uh, jealousy. Right, so you start to see that on a daily basis, so that when you do go to confession, uh, you have an idea of what you are consistently um, struggling with and dealing with on a daily basis. Right. Compared to if you're only doing an examination whenever you show up to the confessional, mm-hmm. which is you know what the church only asks us to do that once a year. Right. So if we're only look, looking at our life once a year, you know that that's a struggle. Right, and then we only think about the really, really big things, and we're missing the subtleties of how the the evil one tempts us and gets his claws into our life, right? So deep under the surface that we're only looking at the big stuff. So, like getting into the rhythm of doing a daily examination of conscience then is a the best preparation for receiving the sacrament because then you go prepared with the remote matter and thus having this deep um, sorrow on a regular basis. So I, I have another question, clarification. Um, I know that the sacrament of confession, what the matter that we are like required to supply mm-hmm. um, is mortal sins. Right. Um, that it's not necessary to supply venial sins. So like mortal sin, mm-hmm. we know it's got to be grave matter. Yep. You have to know it's bad. Yep. And you have to do it anyway. So right. you have to have like the nudge. So we can do things that we recognize like later on the line. Oh, that was pretty terrible. But that might not be a mortal sin because uh-huh. you didn't know. That's called a deliberate venial sin. Yeah. Yeah. So so can you talk about like, okay, what if we've gone, um, you know, because I, I think probably the best bet for confession is like once a month. Yeah. Would you say? Um, I use a guide that a fellow Dominican used and he said, Go to confession every time you get your hair cut. Now, he was talking to, 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 <laughs> to guys. <men. laughs> yeah, right? He's like, well, right. that would be a while. <laughs> so I wouldn't give that uh, advice mostly. Give it to, to women. They go longer between haircuts. But I think for guys, that's a good rhythm to get in. Um, so I would say, you know, every four to six weeks. Sure. Around that time frame is, is a good rhythm uh, to be in. Sure. Well, what if you've gone, yeah you know four to six weeks mm-hmm. and you're like okay i don't i don't have any mortal sins at, good but awesome. what is then the benefit of, of making a regular confession 
Oh, the, the benefits are tremendous, right? So we continue to receive the grace of God, the sacramental graces. We're strengthened in that. Um, the primary effect of the sacrament of confession is the remission of mortal sins, the forgiveness of mortal sins. But it still takes away our venial sins too. Right. So it's bringing those venial sins into the light of Christ and bringing them before him so that he can sanctify, forgive, and continue to uh, move in our life. We call those types of sins um, devotional confessions, and they're very important to the spiritual life. So we want to continue to encourage people to, to go there, but also understanding that the primary, um, the primary scope of the sacrament is the remission of mortal sins. Right. And so our venial sins can be remitted in other areas as well. You know, the treasuries of mercy that, the God, that God has given to us is beautiful, right? Um, we can, our, our sins can be forgiven through pious use of like holy water when we enter and, and exit the church. You know, th- those types of things can continue to remit, but they remit venial sins, but unable to remit the mortal sins. Sure. I'm I'm thinking more in in terms of like for people who confessions intimidating and it's not something that they relish going to and it's kind of yeah. like well okay I didn't you know like do anything horrible so I'm just going to like put that off until something really bad comes down the line like if if it's like okay well it's not absolutely necessary right then I'm I'm thinking like what can we say? Because I think that there's so much more to confession. Like, it's not just, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. hope I'm not <laughs> blaspheming. Um, it's not just forgiveness of sin. Like, right. that in itself is a tremendous grace. Mm-hmm. But that there are other graces that are given in the sacrament, which are means to helping us not sin. Yeah. And this does not just include, like, not doing the terrible stuff, but like <laughs> breaking out of those habitual sins yeah. that might yeah, yeah. be small, but like kind of have a much, I would even think like throughout our life, the duration of our life They're can more cause consistent. much yeah. more mm-hmm. damage yeah. and like much more wounds in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Like those, yeah, are like consistent failings mm-hmm. and refusals to grow. It, it allows the Holy Spirit to reclaim its life or reclaim its position in our hearts. Right, because that's what sin does, venial or mortal. Um, all sin is starting to uh, allow the evil one to get a foothold within our life, in our hearts. And so, by coming to the sacrament of confession, revealing our hearts and its wounded nature, um, allows the Holy Spirit in the, the the presence of God to reclaim its place and per- to perfect that. So that allows us and gives us the strength once again to. Um, to be better prepared to resist these temptations in the future, mm. right? And we know that the two major effects of sin are a darkening of the intellect and a weakening of the will, Yeah. right? Now that not all of those effects are not immediately evaporated, but it gives us a preparation to be of strength of will, right? To have the clarity of mind, to see from God's perspective, right? So that we can be better prepared against the temptations and the wiles of the evil one in right. the future. Yeah. One of the things that comes to mind and an analogy is like, you know, when our soul's in mortal sin, it is actively dying. Like it's like going to the emergency room and being like, 
I'm going to die unless something happens. And it's, you know, like that seems necessary. Like that is a big deal. And, but for our venial sins, like these are things we're not actively dying, but it's weakening us. we got a few broken bones. Yes. You know. And yep. some of them might even be minor scratches, mm-hmm. but you let them fester too long, they can turn into a life then threatening. Then get a staph infection. Okay, we and, don't need to oh, go right, into right, all right, of right, that, right, but yeah, yes. Um, yeah, because I, I, I think like confession is something to be sought after mm-hmm, regardless of, right. I'm, you know, I'm actively dying, I've done terrible things, I need to bring that. Well, it's... Yes, I mean, this is also where we want to talk about, um, we spoke a little earlier about meeting Christ as judge sure. in, in the sacrament of confession, but we also meet Christ as physician. He's yes. the healer, and that's, that's you know, the other kind of dynamic that's happening in the sacrament of confession. Not only is he rendering judgment, but he's also healing, uh, applying the, the saving balm uh, to our sins, to our wounds right. um, that majority of the time are self-inflicted. Yeah. And so he's healing us there. So there are times that, like you said, we need to rush to the ER because we're, we're gasping. Mm-hmm. We're making our final you know, breath in our death throes. And he is there to bring us back to life and to support us. Now, there's a greater recovery time at that, right? It takes a little more work um, at those times. There are other times that we still go to the doctor because we have yearly checkups. Exactly. You know, there, there are times that we have a, a, a little cough and we need a, an antibiotic. It's not life-threatening, but we do need it to be corrected. Yeah. You know? And so the, he is physician mm. and not just trauma physician. Right. He is divine physician at all times. Yeah. Now, that's something I think this is another thing kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum are those that might be a little overly concerned and yes. a little overly scrupulous. Yes. And I think there are times I've, I've fallen into both camps easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember going to confession. I was telling you about this before the episode with another Dominican and he, throughout the confession, I was shocked that he was saying this, but he's like, Corinne, just give me your sins. Yep. Just give me your sins. Yep. You might not like that about yourself. That's not a sin. Like, don't don't just bring about you know like imperfections or like i made this person upset like this is something i think we can very easily put reduce our actions to like what um is approved by other people and what isn't Mm -hmm. and if i said something or did something that made another person upset i'm in the wrong yeah and like there yeah there are times where i've definitely done that like oh i like made my sister really upset but then looking back on it, it was like, oh, wait, like maybe, maybe that wasn't on me. Maybe she was having a really bad day and maybe what I said didn't help that, but that wasn't, I wasn't acting with that knowledge yeah. that she's upset and let me <laughs> say the wrong thing. Um, but that was, that was kind of very eye opening of like, yeah. whoa, I need to sit and like actually figure out what are my sins and Sin is a very interesting thing. It's very it's, interesting. I think, you know, it's in but today's climate. Time, it's, we'll talk about this later. It's, it's actually very simple well, and, and boring. And, yeah. No, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about sin. Let's I mean, talk about sin. That, we, we talked about how to make a good confession, how to make a good, making consistent uh, examinations of conscience, both on a daily and uh, in preparation for the sacrament, important. But the question is, how do we know what to examine? Right. right, we need a well-formed conscience of which to examine. Because if we're malformed, 
then we're not going to know what, what is sin and what is not. Right. And we're going to be confessing things that aren't sin or we're not be confessing things that are sin. Right. So like we need a well-formed conscience right. to help guide us. Prayers to the Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit, grant me a gift of wisdom so I may see my sins properly. One of the most dangerous things you could ever Honestly, ask for right, yep. is, is the Holy Spirit to give you a more sensitive conscience. You read about the saints and they're like, I'm the worst sinner ever. Yeah, and I'm like, like, dude, shut up, you're Therese. a saint. Like, stop it. Are you kidding me? But <laughs> I think that that's like in their growth of holiness, the yes. Lord actually yes. shows them, here's what's going on. Like, here mm-hmm. are all the ways that you can keep growing. And I think when we get complacent, that's when we need to really freak out. And so that's what I want to encourage that prayer, you know, Holy Spirit, grant me a more sensitive conscience. And that's a twofold uh, thing, more sensitive to the um, abhorrence of what sin is, yeah, but also a more sensitive understanding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, what is of him, right? Yeah. And what is not of him. So making that prayer helps us to guide our, our conscience, right? Yeah. Knowing the mind of, of the church, his bride, helps us to understand a well-formed conscience to make that examination. But we have to talk about what sin is. Tell us, Father. Sin is in the will. Okay. okay. So we as human beings, intellect, will, passions, right? Um, all of that's out of disorder because of original sin, uh, which was an original act of disobedience. Okay. So it's not just an ignorance. It's not just no- not knowing the truth. It's, it's an act of the will, right? Yeah. So it, sin in its root is some form of disobedience against the love of God or the love of neighbor. And it's in one's will. Okay. So now that with, with that understanding, we can kind of take a look at what sin is not. Right. Yeah. I remember like being younger and, you know, obviously now I'm like, like okay, that was probably, you know, I think I was struggling more with the sin of comparison. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, wow, like I'm really quiet. I don't like that about myself. I should be more extroverted. Yeah. Like, and and that was like, wow, maybe that's something bad about me. Mm-hmm. And you can take your character traits and even weaknesses in your character right. and attribute them to sins, which if it's something you're not actively choosing, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the f- kind of the first thing is that we have, of our own fallen nature, we have strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so there are some things that are, are part of our weaknesses that are n- not necessarily our sins. You're going to hate this, but Therese was all about that. Okay, moving on. Um, she loved, she was like, I love rejoicing in my weakness. St. Yeah. Paul writes about this. Yes. I rejoice in my weaknesses. And like, I, I love what they say because it's like, this just shows that I am not God. Yeah. I am not in control. And that is a beautiful thing. But I think so often we take that as like a, I'm supposed to be better. Uh, maybe I'm sinning. Maybe yes. I'm not. I think we, we, we have this understanding of perfection. If I'm not pristine, Whoa, yeah. then everything that is a, a blemish or everything that is not pristine must be my fault. And I have yes. to confess it. Right. And so let's look at our life and realize that there's a lot of ish out there that is not pristine, but not necessarily my sin. And the first, first thing I think of are like accidents. Right. Well, I think about Mary losing Jesus, Mary and Joseph losing Jesus. If Mary is immaculate conceived, if she never sinned, how in the world, like I struggled with that. I mean, like, wait, 
that seems like a mistake. Yeah. Like that seems like it could be a sin. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I looked at um, when like in praying the sorrowful mysteries, like or, or walking through the stations of the cross, Jesus falling. Yeah. I'm like if he was God, he shouldn't have fallen. Yeah. Like I, I can't reconcile that. But that's like that was a misunderstanding of what sin was. Yes. Like that wasn't wrong. No. Like and, and, and there there are sometimes unfortunate things. There are bad things. Like all sin is bad, but not necessarily all bad things are your are your sin. Sure. You know? Um so accidents that happen through that are no faults of nobody's. Right. That's not my sin. Right. And I, I can't be responsible for that. And I can't force myself to be responsible for an accident. Right. And we're not responsible for other people's emotions and yum, feelings. Yum. That's it. I'm only responsible for myself. Yeah. And this is something that I hear as a priest in the confession a lot of times, and we joke about it, the, the amount of people that come in and start to confess other people's sins, family members, <laughs> <Yeah>. spouses, <laughs> siblings. They did this, and I did this, but, but they did this but first. They, they did this first, and they give you this whole long story about how horrible the sins of their spouse are. Mm. which then forced forced them to react negatively. Yeah. So now, yeah, I'm, I'm confessing sins of anger because look what he did. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are not responsible for him. I don't yeah. need, like, he's not in front of me. You're in front of me. Exactly. I need your sins. Like, but you're not responsible for how he acts. You're not responsible for his emotions and his responses, but you're responsible for yours. So an accident can happen. Something bad can happen. Well, you're not responsible for your, you're responsible for what you do with your emotions. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the first thing is like, I I think we have to understand that sins in the will. And that means that sins are not accidents. Right. Accidents are not sins. The second thing are, and this is the biggest one I get all the time. um, Sins are not temptations. Or I should put that there, temptations are not sins. Yes. Okay. And the the thing I love is Jesus Christ never sinned in his life. No sin in in man Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But he did experience temptation. Yeah. Whoa. He experienced temptation in the garden the night before he died. And he experienced temptation in the desert right after he was baptized. Yep. Right? So we can know then that temptation itself is not a sin. That's honestly such a crazy thing. Like just reflecting on those two instances of Jesus's temptation. How often does that happen in our life? We go through a conversion, like Jesus's baptism. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. obviously he didn't experience a conversion, but like this big moment happens. And then what do we deal with right after? Usually sometimes it's like a, we like a steep plummet downward. Yep, yep, yep. And just like really experiencing all that. And then also thinking about right before the crucifixion right before something big right before like something hard that you're being asked like i i see friends who who enter religious life or are discerning the priesthood and before they take that first step it's like wow everything that i've ever done wrong is like now before me and i feel like a terrible person and i'm i'm tempted to do things that i haven't been tempted in a long time exactly and it just like these are my sins yeah like the presence of temptation the presence of any kind of temptation, I must be responsible for. I must right. have put myself in a bad situation or I have memories from past sins. Now they're yeah. coming back to me. I'm responsible for this now, this thing tempting me. Yep. No, you are not responsible for temptations, right? And I hear this in the, in the confessional. The devil is. People, people come into the confessional, you know, blessed father, if I have sinned, um, you know, okay, it's been, you know, three months since my last confession. Okay, um, I've, been, I've been tempted from 
I've been tempted towards anger. I've been tempted towards lust. I've been tempted towards these things. Those are not your sins. Yeah. Have you entertained those temptations? Have you, you know, like acted what did you on, do? What with did those? you do with that? Yeah. So like when people just, you know, uh, you know, bless me, Father. I've, I'm being tempted for these things. That's not your sin. Yeah. We're all tempted. Yep. <laughs> right. Like this is. I, I could have told you you were tempted when you walked in the door. Yeah. You know, but like, what are you doing with those temptations? And yeah. then there, there are sometimes where people, um, you know, you'll hear guys say like, oh, you know, I uh, this this pretty woman walked across my my path, and you know, I glanced. It's like, oh yeah, because there's a pretty woman that you know walks across your path. Yeah. Like it, it catches your attention. Sure. That's called a temptation. Like that first response is is the temptation. Now, what you do with that? Do you entertain that? Do you start to act out upon that? Sure. You know, act towards that. Those types of things. And we can start talking about degrees of um, yeah of culpability. But I just want to like reinforce again and again that there will we will always have temptations to sin present in our life. Yes. The presence of a temptation is not sin. And it's not an indicator as to your holiness or your relationship with God. I think oftentimes, and the saints write about this, it's beautiful that sometimes the presence of temptation, like, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on discernment of spirits and like understanding the source of temptation. Like, are you putting yourself in the, you know, way (laughs) of temptation, but you might not be doing anything. And these, you know, holy saints will experience these insane temptations and they recognize this is an opportunity for me to steal my will, for mm-hmm. me to train my will and choose God, yep. even in the midst of like, even when it's really hard. And like that, that's a gift sometimes that God will allow these temptations for you to be able to choose him. Yep. And thinking about like the the presence of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, you know, on one side, you could be like, why in the lo- <laughs> world would go- the Lord just like put this temptation right in front of Adam and Eve? But it's sometimes temptations, like it's not an evil, it's an opportunity to choose God yeah. over another thing. Yeah. And like, that's where our love is really born. Yeah. Like in temptations, we're actually being given an opportunity to love God more. It's not saying like, I don't love God enough. Like I'm feeling this thing. I must, I'm feeling you know, overwhelmed I have to do by more. all these temptations. I must be a horrible person to exactly. put myself into this. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. These that's are actually okay. opportunities of, mm-hmm. to choose god to like receive grace to receive mercy to what a beautiful option though right we talk about sin being in the will so when you find yourself being overwhelmed with temptation besieged by temptation make an act of the will to confess your love to god Mm. make an act of the will i choose you jesus even in the midst of being besieged even me saying like i don't want to choose you (laughs) like i want to choose this other thing but i I, I love you. you more. Yeah. That's yeah, a, I don't feel like I love you more, but I love you more. That's I'm an act saying, of the will. Yes. That yeah. is in complete rejection of what sin is, which is an act of the will. Right. Okay. So we've kind of gone over how to make a good confession. Yeah. Um, what confession is. What sin is. Uh, what sin is, which plays into like how we bring our sins to confession. Yeah. Um, this is one of the most beautiful things I heard you talk about when you just kind of went very candidly like i just i wish people knew these things about confession father i've heard this yeah. but what what do you wish the lay people to know 
From the perspective from, of a priest. From the priest's perspective. I think the first thing I want people to know is I too realized how privileged I am to be in that confessional hearing your sins. The vast majority of time, um, the, the penitent is bringing sins and vocalizing, verbalizing, giving material to these things in their life that never happens anywhere else. I'm the only person that will ever hear them speak these things. And a lot of these sins are very uh, personal. They're very in, uh, done in isolation, you know, very interiorized. And the only time they are exteriorized is in front of me. And I know how privileged that is. And why is that a privileged moment? Because that person, that penitent, is becoming truly vulnerable at that point, right? And it's only with true vulnerability are we able to receive love. Mm. And so throughout the rest of their life, they're wearing masks. There's walls up. And it's only in the confessional where those walls come crumbling down. And yes, they are vulnerable. But that's the first time that people have received authentic love. And maybe the only place. Like, I know that is happening. And I know the risk it takes to make oneself that vulnerable. And the fear that's involved in that. And so the first thing I want to tell people is, please, please, please do not fear anything. Like, there is nothing to fear. There's nothing to be scared of. You know, partly because I, I hear a lot of people say, like, they don't want to go to confession because, you know, you'll never, you'll never believe what I have to tell you, Father. You know, you, you'll have no, you don't know what I'm going to believe. You'll never hear this. I've heard everything. <laughs> and I've only been ordained for four and a half years. Nothing's going to scandalize me. Yeah. Like, I've heard it all. And there's nothing to fear. So, like, just be confident that you are not that amazing of a sinner. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not that creative. You're, yeah. You're not. You're not. Really. <laughs> and this is the other thing that kind of, like, plays in that is it's really all the same. I can hear confessions for pretty much 90 minutes or so. And when it boils down to it, there's maybe half a dozen sins. Wow. Everybody has the same sins. Everybody's struggling with the same stuff. And there's really, you know, four to six sins, really, that are coming wow. up on a regular basis. Man. And so, like, it's, it's, it's really consistent. You know, it's really boring <laughs> because sin is boring it's not mm. as salacious as people want it to be it's it's really bland beige and boring when you boil it down to it because mm. sin is sin is boring virtue is what's creative because virtue brings us into the heart of god himself who created from nothing whose good is diffusive of itself where sin is not creative it's destructive it's all the same yeah. And there's nothing like it it's just really all the same. It's destructive and it doesn't uh it doesn't get that creative element. Yeah. To it. I was with our friend um Austin Farinhole a few days ago and he was he told me this story that he told his kids of just like understanding like you have nothing to be afraid of nothing. when it comes to like the devil and evil and things like that. And um it was some 
story of like, you know, there's this person who, you know, heard these things in their basement and (laughs) they open the door and this horrible smell and they hear rattling and, you know, the lights are flickering and it's just like literally everything terrifying that you would see in a horror movie. And he goes, you know, he goes to the bottom of the basement and he sees these like demons, you know, like the devil, just like the worst thing that you could see. And he goes, oh, it's just you. And like, (laughs) you know, like, oh, like you're not exciting. Like you can't really do anything. Like you have no place. You're like, God has power. Yeah. The devil does not like sin is boring. Like any evil that you see is not going to captivate a person mm-hmm. like it isn't captivating no. it is just like wow and that's i mean oh, this this gets gets back to everything we we're talking about right the evil one is the the king of liars right mm-hmm. and so he exaggerates his own he inflates his own importance right and he exaggerates like the the kind of grandeur of what sin is in your life yeah. to keep you from meeting Christ, the physician who can heal you. It's all and set smoke you and free. mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, I'm the worst sinner. Like, Father, you'll never believe what I have to offer. Let me guess, it's been 10 years, right? Yeah, it's a little longer than 10. Okay, I can name it out for you. This, this, <laughs> this, this. Yeah, okay, you good? Are you sorry for that? Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't want to ever. Okay, then we're good. <laughs> like, it, it's in the in the face of the mercy of god sins are so small yeah so small but like the we we buy into the exaggeration we buy into the hype like the satan is the biggest hype man out there but he's hyping up about all the wrong things well it's like it's empty it's so empty like you pull back the curtain and there's literally nothing nothing there there's no substance there why because it's uh evil is the absence of good yeah it's a it's a parasite. It's dependent upon good itself as existing. Yeah. Right? But it's the absence of that. Yeah. So there's no substance there. Right. Okay. The last thing I want to say about um, the confessional and like what I want people to know about it, I've always, always heard people say like, oh, you'll remember, like, Father, I don't want to go to you like because, you know, I know you outside the confessional. I see you on a regular basis. Yeah. I don't want you to know my sins. I don't want you to know how bad I am. Yeah. My first response is, I already know how bad you are. Like, <laughs> no, my first response is, you, let me ask you, um, September 17th, 2017, do you remember brushing your teeth? <laughs> nope. I mean, you did it though, right? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't there be no reason not to? But do you remember hitting that one incisor on the left side, like right there? No. When you brush your teeth and made sure that it was all clean? <laughs> no. So, like, I want people to understand that, like, we as priests hear so many confessions. It's like brushing your teeth to call out one very specific instance and say, do you remember that one from three years ago or whatever? And the answer is, like, no. Right. <laughs> I don't. This is just like kind of the humanity of it, but there's also graces given, you know, from our Lord that we we don't really recall or remember what happens in the confessional. Yeah, because for you as the penitent, and I even say for me as a penitent, because I too go to confession. Right, this isn't a one way street. Right, I make make pretty frequent use of the sacrament. Um, it's a big deal. You've traveled the 15, 20 minutes to get to the church. 
you stood in line for 20 minutes, examining your conscience, basically beating yourself up. And then you finally get the chance to be in front from the priest. And that is your seven minutes in the spotlight. Hmm. And you remember all of that. Right. So it's a big deal. Yeah. But from the priest's perspective, I've been there for 45 minutes already, and I've already heard 12 confessions. And as soon as one person walks out, another one comes in. And you have to be just as attentive to that person. Yeah. And just as merciful. And just so, like, it's such a rapid fire. Like, it's, it's, um, I'm sure for you to be present to everyone, you can't hold on to anything. That's the thing. Like, it's like, okay, fresh start. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. You got to let that go. Yeah. Cause you have no idea what's coming through those doors. And the the thing is, every single person that walks in needs the mercy of God and is, that's what they're searching for. Right. And so you have to be ready for that and, yeah. and attentive. So you can't, you're right. You can't hold on to it. Yeah. So like that fear of, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go to a priest that I know because he's going to look at me differently now. He's going to know me differently. That's, that's a fallacy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wow. We've covered a lot of stuff. This yeah. is all so good. And I, I think it would be really good to keep um, chatting about the sacraments. Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really necessary. And because that's one of the only ways that we are, you know, getting to physically engage in our faith right now. Let's go into that. Let's go. Let's go. Understand what, what's going on. Cool. So. Well, we'll wrap it up here. And next week, we'll maybe hit a different sacrament or we'll go go on this. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Then, so. I'm going to be fun. Good. Amen. Thank you for joining us and listening to this episode of The Grounded Catholic. Uh, We really hope that this episode helps you to appreciate the sacrament of confession, uh, helps you to prepare for it, but really uh, gives you deeper appreciation and helps us to run to the merciful arms of Jesus in in this sacrament and receive his forgiveness and his love. That's our hope for you, so we hope that this uh, episode was able to assist and help you in that area. As always, you can uh, find us on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music at The Grounded Catholic. And all of our episodes are on our website, catholicwhos.org slash podcast. That's catholicwhos.org slash podcast. Please like and, and share these episodes and share this podcast with those that you think would appreciate it. And as always, God bless you.